I'm Jonathan Ruth, and I am the B Group's pastor at Village Church, and I want to talk to you for a minute about our C4 community ministries, and there are several opportunities for you to get involved in community ministry. Uh, first and foremost, we have several community events throughout the year that you can be involved with, such as Easter Extravaganza or Lake Carolina. Balloons and Tunes is another one. And these are opportunities where Village Church goes out and serves the community. And we want to give our church members an opportunity to be there and serve in that capacity. Our worship team does a lot of ministry in the community area because we'll go out and play music and sing for different events. And our praise choir is one of the big groups in that. So if you're interested in singing and getting involved in that or in the worship band, definitely contact uh, myself or James. And also one of the largest areas in which uh, our community ministry is active is in our V groups. So our V groups is our small group ministry and they are in pretty much every neighborhood in the Blythewood community and meet on every day of the week almost. And uh, we want to have a solid presence in the Blythewood area and our V groups do that. They go out in their neighborhoods and they serve people uh, and they let others know the love of Christ through their actions and through uh, their evangelism and through acts of service. So those are all some very important aspects of the community C4 ministry and we hope that you'll get plugged in and involved in C4. Alright, so today we are continuing our C4 series and we have determined as a church that the way we are going to minister in the community, the way that we're going to serve, is going to be in four, really four specific areas. And so there's four C's. Each C stands for something. Last week, we talked about the first C in ministry at our church is going to be on our campuses. And so we serve and we will be involved in ministry in the campuses all throughout our community. And we shared about that last week. And then this week, our focus is going to be on our mission as a church to serve in our community. And so we're going to cover the other two C's over the next two weeks. So today our focus is going to be on community. And, and that is one thing that I believe that God has called every Christian and every church to do. It is to be a group of people who come together to be a light in the community in which they serve. To engage the community in which they serve. I read a really interesting story about a missionary, not real sure if it fits in here, but I'm going to tell it anyway, because I think it's a, I like the story, I thought it was kind of funny. I was a missionary in the 1800s, and he goes out, he was serving in, in, in some country where they were, he was deep into the jungles, but he ended up being captured by a group of cannibals, and he knew there were cannibals there, he was able to speak their language, and he knew they were getting ready to eat him, I, I can't even imagine and so he is, he's a little bit nervous, but he, he keeps his cool, and he speaks to them, and he, here's what he said to him: He said, I don't, you don't want to eat me because I don't taste good. Now, this guy is, I mean, he's thinking on his feet. And so what he did is he reaches down slowly, he grabs a knife, y'all bear with me here, he cuts off a piece of his calf and gives it to the chief. And the chief takes a bite out of it and spits it out. Now, what they did not know is this man had a prosthetic leg that was made out of cork. And so he just simply cut off a piece of cork. The guy ate it, and they're like, yeah, we don't want to mess with this guy. He doesn't taste good. He ended up being a missionary there for another 25 years, 
and he led a lot of those people into a relationship with Jesus. Isn't that great? And that is a guy who's not only smart, he's a guy who said, I am, he was committed. I mean, he was a guy who was willing to engage his community. Now, I'm not saying you need to pull out a knife and cut your calf and go out to the community and serve, but I want to say this. As a church, we have a calling to engage, to engage our community, to serve our community. Uh, Jesus brought this up in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 41. Here's what he said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he said, and the second is like it. Love, who are you supposed to love? Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so for us to fulfill this mission that Jesus has given us, we have come up with C4 Ministries. And we said we're going to engage our culture in these four different areas. In campuses, our communities, in our care ministry, and in our civic ministry. So today we're going to focus in on how we can reach people with the good news of Jesus in our community. So the question is, well, how do we do that? Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus giving instructions to his disciples about how they could engage their community in order to share the good news of Jesus. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to be you know, pretty brief in sharing this, but I really think these are some steps that apply to us as well. So how do we engage our community? What are some things that we can do, some steps we can take in order to reach people for Jesus? Well, it begins with this, and I like this one. If we're going to engage our community well, if we're going to reach people for Jesus where we live, we have to start off by having a partner, having a partner to work with. And hopefully this will become a little more clear as we look into our scripture, but we're looking today in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look beginning in verse number, in verse number 1. So if you have your Bible, you want to turn there, go ahead and do that. So Luke chapter 10, verse number 1. I'll start there. It says, After this, the Lord Jesus appointed 70 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, our culture today tells the faith community, those of us who are followers of Jesus, they say, it's great that you have faith, but your faith is something that's to be private. Your faith is something that you keep to yourself. It's not anything that you share. You keep it to yourself. That's okay. Now, I know for some people, we, we kind of like that. We think, well, you know, it is kind of private. We need to keep that to ourselves. We don't want to offend anybody. And that, that might sound good to some of you, but it's not scriptural. It's not what the Bible says. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus told us, he told his followers, he said, go. Y'all remember what he told them to do? He said, make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus told us we are to go into the uttermost parts of the earth, sharing the good news of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus told us that we are to be fishers 
of men. Now that makes sense whenever you look back in verse number 1. And if you look back in verse number 1, what did Jesus do? He appointed 70 of his followers to go out into the community and start sharing the good news. He said, I want you to prepare the groundwork for me because I'm going to follow up and I want people to be prepared to meet me. So to prepare the people to meet Jesus, what happened? Jesus sent them out in pairs. He didn't send them out alone. Now, what were they supposed to do? Well, he gave them their marching orders in verse number 9. He told them this, heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Yeah, but they're preparing the message. The kingdom of God is coming near you, and Jesus was coming next. Now, the question is, well, why, why did Jesus send them out in pairs? Why did he do that? Why couldn't they go by themselves? Well, it was, it was a pretty serious order that Jesus gave them, and, and for one reason why, it's, and it's not something to glance over, but Jesus said the harvest is abundant, and this says, but the workers are few. There's a big harvest out there. There's a lot of people that want to know about Jesus. And he said, and we need more and more of you, and that means us, to go out and to share with people the good news of Jesus. So there's a harvest. Now, if you have a harvest, you need somebody to bring in the harvest. You know, if you're a farmer and you have like a, a wheat crop, I, I don't know if any of y'all have a wheat crop, but if some of y'all did and you have a huge wheat crop, what needs to happen? What do y'all think? Somebody needs to bring it in, right? Now, if you're just one person and you go out there and try to bring in the harvest, you're going to bring in some of a harvest, but you're not going to bring in a whole lot of a harvest. So, so you need more workers. You, you need more hands out there so you can bring in as much as possible. Now, because if you don't bring in what's out there ready to be harvested, what do, what do you think happens to the weed if it's never harvested? It dies. It's, it's never used. It never reaches its potential. The same idea is being taught us about people. People are the harvest. And Jesus said the harvest, I mean, it is abundant. It is ripe. But if we don't go out and bring in the harvest, there are going to be people who never reach their potential. So Jesus said if we're going to have a big harvest, we need more people. Ecclesiastes 4.9 backs this up. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. But also, if you have a partner, you have support. I mean, again, we're told in Ecclesiastes 4.10 and 11, for if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person keep Alone, alone, keep warm. Now, now, whenever we work together, it's easy to accomplish more. But whenever we are separate and we are by ourselves working alone, it is very easy to get overwhelmed. You know, I, I look into the world today and I see that there is darkness in our world. And if I don't have anybody with me and I'm just looking at it all by myself, it is so easy to become overwhelmed and think, man, I can't do anything about this. I mean, this is a problem that is way too big for me. But if I have a partner, 
If I have somebody to work with, then it seems like it's more manageable. I feel like that I have support, that I have somebody that is cheering me on. And if I get tired, I have someone who's going to support me and strengthen me. That's why at Village Church, we want you to find one of the four C's to work in. So you can have partners. So that you don't feel like you're going at it alone. So that you can feel like that you, that you have strength, that you have people who are supporting you. Not only that, but when you have a partner, you have protection. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, If someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Now, I don't know about you all, but I know this about me. I, I need protection. And one of the things I need protection from is I need to be protected from having an apathetic spirit whenever it comes to the harvest. Because sometimes I can, I can look at what's going on and I can get excited about, about Jesus and about serving Jesus. And then I can go out and then when I don't see results, you know, I mean, I, I'm sort of results oriented. If I don't see results, I'm like, well, I won't do that anymore. You know, nothing's happening. You know, I try to be a good witness to this person. They're not responding. And it's easy for me to become apathetic and want to quit. But if I have a partner, then they can remind me and help me to keep my focus saying, you need to be obedient to what Jesus has called you to do. We, we all need partners. You know, I need a partner when I'm driving. Uh, whenever I'm driving, especially if I, go on a, if I go on a trip that's going to take a while. Y'all, I'm good for driving for about 30 minutes, and then after that, I'm done. And I, I lose my focus, and when we go to see Emily's parents, they live pretty close to, like, Canada. It's Chattanooga. And so it's like a six-hour drive. And so we'll be driving along, and after, you know, once I get out of, you know, y'all know the drive between Augusta and Atlanta? Don't y'all love that? It's beautiful. Uh, it's horrible. And so I'm driving along, and I, I lose my focus, and I'm just driving along. And right now, y'all may not know this, but in South Carolina, in Richland County, it is deer season. And so if I'm driving during that time of year, if I see a field, I, my, I just start looking over, you know, as I'm doing, you know, uh, I'm doing the speed limit perfectly. And I'm looking over into the field because I'm looking for deer. And, and when I do that, you know, I'm not that gifted to drive and look in a field. And the car begins to veer, and I have a partner. Her name is Emily. And Emily, in her graciousness, will say, honey. I'm kidding. She doesn't do that. You need to pay attention to the road. You're veering. And it gets my focus. Now, that's what a partner does for you. When you begin to veer, they help you regain your focus so that you remember, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, here's my question for you. Who's your spiritual partner? You know, as God has called us to share, to minister to our community, who is it that's reminding you to be involved in the community and serving? Now, now you might say, well, I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody to do that for me. Here's the good news for you. You do now. It's Village Church. You, know, you, you go out to our C4 table. And you can look at the teams that we have. It is an opportunity for you to partner up with the ministry and the church so that you can keep your focus and do what Jesus has called us to do. So, so how do we reach our community? How do we reach Jesus? Or how do we reach people for Jesus? It starts have a partner. It starts with having a partner. Now what's another step we can take to reach people for Jesus? And this is one that, that is pretty obvious, but it's simple. It's pray. It's powerful. If we're going to reach people for Jesus, then it, we have to start praying for it. Look with me in verse number, see verse number 2. That's what Jesus told his followers. He said, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So what's the solution to that problem? Jesus said, therefore, 
Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, if I were to ask most people, you know, in the church, in this room, most people who claim to be followers of Christ, would you like to see people reached for Jesus? The overwhelming answer is going to be absolutely. I've talked to people in the church, whatever church they go to, wouldn't you love it if your church was jam-packed with people who were seeking Jesus? You know what most of us are going to say? Absolutely, I want to see that. And I think most of us would say that we want to see people reached. Okay, now if that is the case, then here's the follow-up question. Are you praying for that? You know, are you praying for people to be reached, for people to be touched? Here's what I am learning about myself. When I pray, and I am praying with all of my heart, I am doing it because I am desperate. Now, when is the last time, can you think of a time when you have prayed for something and you were desperate to see that prayer answered? I, 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 I've talked to a lot of people, and there's some people even here today in church, I guarantee you they are praying right now because they are desperate for healing. You know, they, they, they're wait, awaiting a doctor's report, and man, they are on their hands and knees desperately praying for God to intervene. I've seen people in their marriages that are struggling, and they want to see healing in their marriages, and they are on their hands, and they're on their knees, and they are desperately calling out to God, God, save my marriage. God, bless my children. They've wandered off the path. As parents, so many times we pray, we are desperate for God to touch our children. Let me ask you this, are you desperate for God to touch the lives of your friends that they meet that they may be saved and changed see my fear is that many of us are not all that desperate Jesus said I am in desperate need of workers because the harvest is abundant what was the harvest it's people people were ripe for the picking I really believe this. I believe people today are spiritually hungry. And they might seem like they are closed off, but I really believe, I honestly believe this, that people are hungry for someone to tell them about God. It's true in Jesus' day. Now, unfortunately, the religious leaders weren't helping out any. They said, if you want to get connected to God, what you have to do is you have to be a really good person. Follow all the rules and regulations. 613 rules. Guess what? They couldn't do it. You know, I've shared with you all before, I can't, the Ten Commandments is more than I can handle. 613. And the people felt oppressed and burdened by it. So Jesus responded to this in Luke eleven forty six. He said, you experts in the law, woe to you because you load down people with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. You know, pe- people want freedom, but they are waiting for someone to share with them how to have that freedom. There weren't enough workers, though, in the field to bring in the harvest. That's why Jesus said, begin to pray for more workers so that those workers can bring in more of a harvest. Now, I want you to think about this. Why do you think there are not many workers to bring in the harvest? 
And I think there really there's just a few basic reasons. I think one of the reasons why is because of, because of fear. You know, some of us as believers, we think, you know, I would, I'd like to talk to somebody about Jesus. I just don't know how to do it. You know, I'm not a theologian. I don't have a degree. Um, I just don't think I'm qualified. So there's fear that's there. We feel unworthy. I think another reason why is because, you know, we kind of we look around and, and we look at what's going on and we think, well, I don't want to offend anybody. And, you know, we just kind of live in that culture today. You know, live in that culture. If I, if I share with them, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm strange. And just let me put your mind at ease. You are weird. Yeah, everybody's weird. So don't let, don't let that stop you. But, you know, so we just like, I don't, want, I don't want to offend anybody. And so we kind of back off. And here's another reason. And I think sometimes it comes down to this. Because we don't care. Because we're apathetic. You know, it's sort of like, hey, you know, it, it's, it's true for me. might not be true for you. But, you know, everything's all going to come out in the wash anyway. Everything's going to be fine. And so there's just like this apathy that is there. And then I'm sitting there thinking, well, if the Bible is true, the Bible tells us that with Jesus there is salvation and without Jesus there is condemnation. And I don't know about y'all, but if that's true, we better start telling people about that. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, just I think about the, the people you love. Jesus is a Savior, and if you have him, you're saved. But if you don't, you're doomed. You know, I picture it for me like this. If you're walking down the street and, and you look into a home and you see that the, the television is on, there's a family, they're all sitting down on the couch, and they're, they're just sort of, you know, they're, it's like the dad's asleep, mom's just sort of barely hanging in there, and the kids are eating popcorn. But you notice that, that there is a fire that has started in the house. How are you going to respond to that? You know, are you going to look over there and think, well, you know, the fam- they're having a good time. You know, I don't want to interfere with what they're doing. Or do you respond by looking at that and thinking, you know, they're good people. That fire's not going to burn them. You going to do that? If you did and it burned down, I mean, you'd say, that's criminal. You know, people are going to prison for that. And yet that spiritually happens every day. So, so what do we need to do? We need to be praying that God will burden our hearts for other people. We, we need to pray that God will provide us with more and more opportunities to share. You know, that's why as a church we, we have community events in our church to go out into the community to serve. And you know, Jonathan in the video mentioned you know, we, we go out in the community. We've been doing Lakes Carolina for over 16 years. And we've been doing, um, you know, balloon, we did balloons and tunes last year. And then we have, uh, we have a couple of Easter extravaganzas, another big event that we do. We do those things to go into the community to engage them. It can't stop there, though. It just gives us the opportunity to make contact with them and then for friends to invite them to those events, but then also to eventually to begin to share with them the good news of Jesus. You say, man, you don't know my friends. They're not going to respond to anything like that. Now, that might be true, but that's why Jesus said pray. What's the big deal about praying? Guys, when you pray, you are tapping into a God who is bigger than any person. You're tapping into a God who is bigger than any obstacle. And so I will challenge you to begin to pray now for the people. Start with the people you know and you love most who don't know Christ. And say, oh God, make their heart tender to you. And God, provide me with an opportunity to share with them. Invite You can invite them into the church. 
You can invite them into your B groups. You can bring them to events. But, but here's what I know. Jesus gives us some steps that we can take in order to reach people for him. What, we, what can we do? First step we take is have a partner, pray, and then here's the last one. Expect God to provide. Have a partner, pray, and then expect God. Ex- you know, we need to start expecting God to do something. Now look with me in verses, we'll, we'll read, start in verses 3 and 4. Jesus said, now go, he's telling his followers, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Now hop down to verse number 17. So they do this, and it says, and then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. Look, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will ever harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, one thing I like about scripture is that it's really honest. And and Jesus does not do this pie-in-the-sky stuff. He says, go out and serve me, and everything's going to work out perfectly for you. Jesus told the 70 guys, go out, share me with other people, because I want you to know this. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Does that inspire y'all? And I look, I was like, what is that all about? And, you know, being the skeptic that I'm in, that I am, I think, well, he's doing that because he's saying, you're going to be dinner. You're going out into a dark world, and then while you're at it, don't bring anything with you. Don't bring a money bag. Just go out by yourself. And I think, well, it's because we're getting ready to die, so we don't need to bring extra stuff. Now, is that what Jesus was saying? Is that the point that he's trying to get across? No. Jesus, I mean, we can use the animal analogy here. Jesus said you were going out like lambs among wolves. What's he talking about? Well, think about a lamb. What, is a, what, what do lambs need? Well, I, I think of the 23rd Psalm when I think of sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What, is, what does he do for you? He leads me beside quiet waters. He gives me food to eat and restores my soul. See, a lamb, Jesus is comparing us to lambs because we need a shepherd. He said, I'm sending you out as my agent. Now, the world is a dark place. There are wolves out there, but he says, you're lambs. I'm the shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He protects the sheep. Remember Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, that, 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 that's, Jesus says, I'm sending you out as lambs, but I'm going to watch over you. He said, now don't bring anything with you. Now, was he, do, was he doing that? Saying, hey, whatever you, and everything that you do as Christians, don't be prepared. That's not what he's saying. He said, don't bring anything with you because he wants us to be totally dependent upon him. And he says, whenever you go out, pack light. Don't bring a whole lot. Why, why is that? And this is a reminder to us, y'all, we have a job to do and we need to get it done. We don't pack for the next 20 years. He says, pack light because time is short. And your opportunity to reach people with the good news of Jesus, it is small. You only have your life to do it. Be urgent in what you do. Now, if we're going to see that happen, you know, we, have to, we have to put God to the test. We have to be willing to be sheep. 
we have to be willing to pack light, to be urgent in the mission that we have. Time is short. People are living and they are dying without Jesus. Now here's what's really cool. The 70 people in our text, they did that. Now was it scary? I bet you, I bet you it was pretty scary for them. I bet you they were pretty nervous about it. But they did it. What happened? Well, if you look in verse number 17, they came back together. They're all excited. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They put Jesus' instructions to the test. And they came back and they talked about changed lives. They came back and said, Lord, your power is greater than the darkness in this world. You know, the world's a dark place, and as you go along, it's pretty easy to start thinking that, that darkness is too overwhelming. And so I believe as, as Christians, we've, we've just simply, we've given up and we've allowed the darkness in our world to encroach because we are not willing to engage darkness believing that we serve the God of light who stands above all things, who has power over all things. I believe it is time that we boldly stand up and say, God, we're going to engage our community because we believe that you change people, that you transform lives. Galatians 1, 3, and 4 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Can God still change his lives? Well, you're not going to find out until you get involved. Until you plug in. Until you serve. You know, if you, if, you have a, if you have a glove, you take a glove, and you just look at a glove. It, you know, gloves, they, I guess, you know, they're, they're helpful, but they, they're not going to do anything until somebody puts a hand inside of it. And whenever you put the hand inside of the glove, it is then that the glove is able to do things. Well, y'all, we are the glove, and the Holy Spirit is the hand. And whenever we open up our lives to Him, He comes into our lives, and He will move and work through us to accomplish His will, to touch people's lives, and to see people changed and transformed. You know, I don't want us to be a church and a group of people who miss out because we really don't believe that God still has power today. You know, I, I love the scripture that tells us in James 4.2. It says, you desire, but you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. And then just what James told us. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Okay, here's my challenge for you and for me. Let's start asking God for big things. Let's start asking God to change lives. Pick people that you love and care for and say, God, touch their lives. Lord, I'm believing that you will, and God, use me to do it. God, use me that uh, in this church that we can be a team who, in one of the C's that we have in this church, one of those teams that I sign up for, God, use me to be an instrument that you use to change this town, to change this city change this world. Now how do we do that? Well, you need a partner. If you don't have one, good news for you today. You can sign up right up there. C4 table. It's a place where you can sign up and find a partner. We need prayer where we simply take time to pray and say, God, 
bring more workers. God, bring us a harvest. God will do it. And then the final thing, expect it to happen. Expect God to provide. Now, God is not some little, some little thing that we worship, a little fuzzy bear, and we go, isn't that nice? We, we, we act like we know God, and then we don't expect anything out of Him. Y'all, when he, when he gave us this word, He gave it to us for a reason. It's true. And He still changes lives. No matter how far you think somebody is, no matter how far you think they are to the wind, God still rescues people. And they need to know it, and you need to tell them.